Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, N.J. Malay Ali, and my guest today is Quentin Gaines. Quentin is an Albany native artist and activist fighting for representation of our authentic selves in the media. Quentin is passionate about complete and total expression. Welcome to Blood and Spirit Podcast, Quentin. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me. Always. You always bring such a wonderful, beautiful spirit. You're absolutely gorgeous to look at. Thank you. You know, and you bring the as much beauty in your spirit as you bring in your physical presence. So thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. And before we get started, I want to ask you a question that I ask my guests all the time. Because I think this is a great window into culture. What's your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Non-alcoholic drink? Mm-hmm. I really like tea. Tea? Which kind? Um, it's like a Russian tea. Oh, um, really? Well, it's like flavored with like ginger and orange and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. Okay. How would you get it. introduced to it? Um, one day I was like sick at work. Well, I wasn't like sick, sick at work. But I was like, I had a throat ache. Because it was like the weather was crazy. How you know how the weather is here? So um, it was here in Albany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I told my manager, and she was like, "Oh, it's my grandma's cure all Russian tea." And so she brought me some, and she was like, "Try this," and it worked. And then like my throat was my throat ache was gone. Wow. So, yeah. And so it has ginger and what else is in it? Cinnamon and orange. It's like an orange zest and mm-hmm. orange kind of juice. Wow, like that sounds amazing. It's really good. Yeah. It's a, is there like a um, a base, like a, like an herbal base, like black tea, like like Lipton, like a bag? I, I think I think it's, it has like a base, but I think the base is something like really lighter because the tea is like... It's not like a dark at all. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a dark complexion. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you made it by yourself yet? No, I want to. Though. <laughs> I want to. Got to get that recipe, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you are an artist. An artist, yes. You know, and uh, I met when I saw your art the first time. You were about fourteen, thirteen, or fourteen years I was old. About, I think I was like thirteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was gorgeous. Thank you. You know, and I know it's continued to grow over time. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you. Feel your art has evolved over time. Um, I feel like my art has evolved over time because when I was little, well, when I was younger, um, my art. I used to do a lot of drawing and painting, and I just used to use a lot of my hands with using utensils a lot. But now it isn't as far as like as so much as utensils all the time. I've incorporated way more than just utensils. Um, I'm looking into so much, so many more things that are like present now that you know. You when you grow up, you have to pay attention to what's going on in not only the media but just everything around you. So all these shifts just got me looking and realizing that I should like use more than just an artist for utensils and use it with like a mind thing and speak on things that people wouldn't dare to speak about. Okay, so now you're using your art as uh, part of your social activism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so how is, that, how is that manifesting? It's manifesting pretty good because I was in college at first for fashion marketing, which, granted, I really love being a fashion, like being involved in fashion, period. But I know that even though that must maintain a part of my brand because there's something I'm passionate about as well, I know that my this is my complete and total art of expression. As my brand, incorporating it into my brand is like it trumps everything. So my art is just like it's it's over everything now. It's over even the fashion segment in my brand. Not that it can't coexist as one. It's because that that expression is represented in that segment of fashion as well. I see. Okay. So how does it work? I mean, so tell me exactly. I'm getting, um, I think, a sketch of of what you're telling me yeah. about you know how you're using your art in in both um, on paper on a canvas mm-hmm. perhaps, but also in life. So explain how that's working. Um, I get it to coexist together that way by maintaining like 
by just being me, just not faking it, not trying to live up to any kind of standard, not kind of not trying to measure it compared to anybody else around me, how it has been done in the past, how anybody is doing it right now. I just try to base it on how far I can see myself doing it and how far I can see it going. It's not all about like I wouldn't say I don't know. It's kind of weird because like it's 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 weird. It's it's a new journey. It feel like it's just a journey all the time with fashion, with art, with expression, with representation. So I just try to keep it as authentic as possible. I would agree. Awesome, awesome. So how did you discover your love for art? My love for art. Um, well, when I was little, I didn't really. I was very always really really smart and kind of intellectual, but like. I was always like really, really daring. So I guess I factored that in. But like I was really shy. I really am still shy. Like I'm extremely shy. But people can't really tell because I don't I don't like give that off. But I'm so shy. So like when I had time to like be by myself, I always tried to like put it into something so that people can know that I was confident. People can know that I was different or daring. So I always put it into like drawing or I won a talent show when I was little because for singing, like something completely and totally different from what I really want to focus on Focus on for myself. But, you know, it's, it's there and I felt like I should use it. So I did and I just, I was always, I was never scared to do anything. So that's why I feel like my art came from, from a place of confidence because I was so shy. Wow, that's so wonderful to to find a place that you can can speak to the world, because um, speaking verbally was a little bit different difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you when you you wouldn't like jump in the middle of a conversation no. with some other other children, mm-hmm. you just okay. No, okay. I was really shy, but as like time got older, like I started becoming like more of a people person because I did those things because I manifested myself into that type of art. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like, woo, people person, <laughs> but really to be honest, deep down, I'm still shy. Fabulous, yeah. fabulous. So, uh, so that's wonderful to find that vehicle, yeah. you know, to be able to speak um, when maybe words aren't the things that are going to work for you. Right. And so how was your talent nourished over the years? My talent was nourished. Woo, I've had some experiences. I, like I said, I just I just did what I did what I I did what I had to do as far as maintaining a look so that I wouldn't seem so shy, so that I wouldn't seem so boxed off. So whenever I had the opportunity to get into something, I did it so that I wouldn't like I wouldn't I would I guess shrink myself because I always was into shrinking myself and. You, I realized, needed, you were looking for a way out. Mm-hmm, I was looking for a way to like not shrink myself to like people mm-hmm. know that I was present too. Awesome. So, but when I as the years go by, I, I maintain visibility by being in everything. Okay. And so, <laughs> so people can't, people can't right, forget about right. you now. So around you, how was your um, your parents, your uh, school opportunities that were available in the city? Were those were any of those available to help nourish your talent? Yeah, I was as 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 a kid. I always was involved in the the boys and girls club. So my mom, she always kept me in the boys and girls club. Um, my environment it was a really shifty environment. It was because we moved every year, so it was like. Mm-hmm. It was shifty. Like my life has been like a roller coaster, but during those shifts, I was always productive too. So that's mm-hmm. why I know how to maintain like speed, mm-hmm. but also accuracy at the same time. Fabulous, fabulous. And so, tell me, you've all, you you know I have uh, wanted to ask you what your art means to you, but you've you've already explained that it means uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. It means expression. It means authenticity and carrying you know your creativity and the the you. Into the world. Yes, ma'am. I can hear that. So, um, so what was it like growing up here? Well, you know, you said you moved a lot mm-hmm. and so forth. Other than that, shifting sands that it felt like, um, you know, hard to like get get a get a hold on your neighborhood and who's in the neighborhood and what what it means to come home and that kind of thing. How did that impact your ability to 
your 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 self concept as you grew up? As I grew up, like I wasn't realizing that it was helping me. I thought that I was shifting too much. I really did, but as I look back now, I realized that I still had relationships and I still did it. Did all the same things that every other child would do. I was close with all my cousins and my sisters and brothers. We always did stuff together. I was very, like, our, our family was very, very tight-knit growing up as well. Mm-hmm. So with my sisters and brothers and my cousins and my aunties and uncles, we were always involved with each other. So we still, like, had relationships, and I still had relationships with people in the neighborhoods as well. But I didn't realize that. I realized, I knew it was going on, of course, but you didn't realize, you don't get a handle of things until you really look back on it. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I didn't notice that I was getting ready and that I still had like an amazing experience. It was exhilarating. but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, let me just yeah. say that uh, you are my youngest guest so far. Uh, is it okay if I say your age? Yeah. 20 years old. And... When we met, when I when I got to see your art, got to see you drawing, it was actually at a time when um, Tanur, my daughter, Tanur, she writes Ali, who I, I interviewed, and she was talking about how she became something of the neighborhood mom yeah. in the neighborhood where y'all live together, mm-hmm. and y'all are still, you know, y'all still have that have that connection. Mm-hmm. But at the time when we when I really got to interact with you, it was when she was doing a social artistry workshop mm-hmm. that was for us yeah you know for the family and for you so that's so interesting to find that now as you've gone through the years now you combine those things you combine your art and your activism and you're operating as a social artist yeah that is <laughs> yeah that's awesome thank you so tell me about um college college Ooh, college was an experience i would love to go college again like I have to start back soon, soon, soon. I gotta, but right now I'm not, I'm not focused as I should be about college. So I'm trying to really focus on the art. So I gotta invest in myself right now, as people would say. But college was a nice experience, and I really enjoyed, really like getting tangible into fashion marketing mm-hmm. and creating mood boards and how I envision for my brand to be, how mm-hmm. I picture myself promoting for my brand in the in the public eye mm-hmm. so that it can be most representative of me and what I feel like my brand should look like. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where did you go? I went to the Art Institutes of Charlotte. And how did you enjoy Charlotte, the city? Oh, I love Charlotte. It's really nice. Um, I really love North Carolina as a whole because it has like trees and mountains and then it has like the beach near there too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's like and then you see all four seasons oh, like yeah. the spring time you right. see the flowers <laughs> and bunny rabbits and it's just beautiful there wow. it's really beautiful wow. and snow mm-hmm. and it's, you see snow, snow. <laughs> you see a, a, a lot of snow Relatively yeah. a lot. Not to mention uh, rainstorms and tornadoes yep. and they, they got the whole nine. We get the, the whole, whole nine. nine. Yep. So what were some of the um, the influences, you know, that that made you choose that particular school? That particular school? Um, I always wanted to try Charlotte anyway. I always wanted to get as furthest away from South as possible. Mm-hmm. Not because South is a bad thing, but I just, I would love to experience more than just here. Mm-hmm. So I was like ready to go up North and I wanted to at least get closer to New York because that's where eventually I wanted to land up at, mm-hmm. end up at. Um, but North Carolina, my dad, he stayed there, and I never really had time to, like, be a social factor in my dad's life. So I wanted to, like, repair relationships there. And we, we had talks, and we did what we needed to do. So I, that, was a good, that was a good experience. Okay, so North Carolina served its purpose. Mm-hmm, it served its purpose. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Who are, who are some of your major influencers and heroes and heroines in life heroes and heroines um (laughs) i have a few i have a few i really 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 love rihanna like i have to i have to give her her tens because i i i respect her in all aspects because just 
about six or seven years ago, she was on the brink of uh, of bankruptcy, and now she is the the world's the world's wealthiest female musician, and it's not even about the wealth, and she has even stated that. It's about what she has done to get to the wealth, what she has, all the vacays and things that she has done and contributed to her career. So I really appreciate her for showing that you can be successful in anything that you do because she really has proven that. Mm-hmm. And I really love... I love a lot of people. I love Rihanna. I got to think on this because, really, to be honest, I really just love Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. You know, you don't have to have 25. I love, I love Frank Ocean, too. I would say that. I really love him. So, those two are my biggest heroines because they are, like, unafraid. Like, they're, they're so confident, and I love that. That's fabulous. So, now we're getting into uh, one of the things that you thought was... You were really excited about speaking on this subject when you know that, when you knew that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. it. In this season of Blood and Spirit, we're going a little bit deeper into family issues and family uh, matters mm-hmm. that families have to manage mm-hmm. and deal with. And one of those things is sexuality. Mm-hmm. And for you, that is part of it's part of the expression. That's part of you know your passion for mm-hmm. being able to show up authentically and and be the full you. In, in every situation. Yes. So talk about what sexuality and gender mean for you. Sexuality and gender. Um, sometimes people group them together, but I don't really think they are the same thing because we are humans and just like we need to eat and we need to sleep to make, like not be tired or not to not be hungry. We need to have sex so we like are not like social like a sexually unaware and because that's something there with like to not to not acknowledge it at all would be it would be erasure it would be erasure of not being able to do that so and that's that's a part of who we are Mm -hmm. so i respect that people do have a respect for sex and gender but people try to group them together for control and i don't like that Mm -hmm. and i feel like me as a person, sexuality and gender, I was able to differentiate the two because of who I am. Because the only way that I could differentiate them was through dissection. Because I, my sexuality and my gender are always being dissected by people other than me. Mm. So I, I, I have no choice but to acknowledge it because it's always being dissected. So that's how I know that they are different on so many levels and that sexuality, you have to you have to look at it as far as physical. You have to look at it as far as physical. Mm-hmm. But gender, you can't look at it as physical because it's impossible. It's, it's totally impossible to me. And how do you identify on the gender spectrum? On the gender spectrum, spectrum, um, I do classify myself as a gay male. A gay male, I am. I do. I'm. I'm a gay male. So mm-hmm. yeah. And a lot of people. I don't know. It's it's so weird. It's so weird. How did? When did you begin to identify yourself as a gay male? Um, I began identifying myself as a gay male like not very long ago because for so long I was so boxed into. The idea that those two were the same, so I was like scared to like show who I was real, who I really was, or differentiate myself by myself. Because when I was sixteen, I I was like I was dating guys, but I wasn't like I wasn't like classifying myself as being mm-hmm. a gay male. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So your your realization, your self-realization mm-hmm. came over time, mm-hmm. slowly over time. Yes, and it came through those two differentiations as well. Okay. Yeah. So as a young person, as a little person, were any of these thoughts starting to happen for you? How young were you when you started to notice something that you thought was different from other folk? Um, when I was like, well, I... I always grew up with my cousins, and my auntie, she has five girls, so it's all girls, and I was always with them. And then 
my cousins who are like my age, it's four of us. So um, we all are like a, a, a web too. So it's four of us and we're like a web and we're all, we're all the same age. We all were in the same grade and they're all girls too. And so wow. I was always around girls and then that, that, that's not a factor, but like I always was like introduced to feminine things. Always, always, always. But the, the moment I realized that something was a little bit different, I was about seven or eight and I was like, hmm. So well, one day my cousin, she was like, hmm, he's kind of cute. And then I was like, hmm. And I didn't really think nothing of it then, but then probably like a few days later, I was like, hmm, kind of cute. I think you Right. <laughs> so it's like weird, but, you know, it just, I realized then that I was a little bit different. And I, then I didn't, I didn't even have an interest in like having like people, I think that people think that once you're like, when you categorize yourself as like being LGBT or something of that nature, that you're like you're interested in like sex of that same sex at mm-hmm. that time. And mm-hmm. that wasn't the case because I didn't know anything about sex as a little kid. And I just knew that I did not like girls. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so help us out with some of these definitions uh, with LGP, LGBTQ. Now, some folks don't know what all those initials represent. So can you help us out with that? I can help you out with some of them to the best of my ability. But L is, the, you know, lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two girls. Um, gay is two males. Well, females are gay too, but they love to classify them as lesbians, but they're gay. But um, they, when they refer to gay, they really are referring to two males together. Mm-hmm. And then B is male on male, or you like male and female, or is two females together and she she really has total complete expression of who she would like to date. Like she can date a male or a female or a transsexual. It doesn't matter because they are bisexual and they that's multiple people. Okay. So um and then transsexuals transsexuals are like women. Well they can be it can be a trans trans woman or a trans man. And a trans woman is just somebody who identifies themselves as a woman, but they were born a male. And a trans man is a woman who was born, is a man who was born a woman. But a lot of people try to dissect their characters and their gender because of what they have, what what parts that they have. And I feel like that's that's totally not fair because people can't identify how they want to identify themselves, it's not for you to identify them. So, even if a trans woman still has like male parts, or a, or the other way around, vice versa, people try to classify them by a derogatory kind of classification, is, mm-hmm. and then that's when trans is not is it it doesn't register to people as how it should because people are more focused on the derogatory dissection than the actual representation of who they are as who they identify themselves to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... And those are all I really, really know about. Mm-hmm. I know about the LGBTQ, and they just added that one, but I, I haven't, like, looked into that one, like, how much as I have looked at the other one, so I don't want to, like, provide any more right, right. Know, information, and I don't know. For right, it, so. right. Well, thank you for that, uh, because one of the things to bring about understanding and certainly appreciation is knowing what some of the definitions are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, too, is the pronouns. Mm -hmm. Like like some folks do not want to be referred to as either he or she. Mm -hmm. They want to be referred to as they. Mm -hmm. That's the pronoun that that particular set of people has agreed upon Mm -hmm. as a gender-neutral kind of pronoun. Yeah. Um, I must admit that for that getting that into my head has been difficult. Yeah. Because because I'm one of those one of those folks who say that you know what that's not how the language is set up. They means plural. <laughs> <laughs> it means more than one person. Yeah. Or it means somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's so so I have to really you know jump over that mental barrier. 
and remind myself to, to, to jump over that mental barrier in order to, um, to remember to use the proper pronoun yeah. that people want to be, the way people want to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And so now, so you are, you are living somewhat in the LGBTQ community, so to speak. Yes, ma'am. And what would be some of the things, some of the issues that you think within the LGBTQ community need to be addressed? Um, what I feel like needs to be addressed is dissection because we are so used to our character being dissected by our gender being dissected by our sex being dissected every every single day by every other person who's not within our community. Mm -hmm. We are so normalized to doing dissection to mm -hmm. ourselves that we now do it within the community. Oh, so wow. now... It's not oppression of like gays or lesbians or bisexuals. It's oppression of transsexuals. So now they are being more oppressed than within the community. within the community wow. than how we are as a whole. While we are still being oppressed as a whole. So yeah, kind of like colorism. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's 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 just like a it's like a social agenda, and it's really crazy. And I want people to know, like, within the community that it's not for your dissection. It's not for anybody's, it's not for anybody's legitimacy. It's, it's, it's you. It's, mm -hmm. it's your authentic self. You can't change who you are. So, and you know this. That's why I feel like people in the LGBT community who do that, who try to dissect, who try to just derogatize so much stuff that they, that they don't have the right to do. It's, it's not fair and... They, they have to be educated, though. See, what you don't do is what you don't do is fight the cause with malice or with closed-off meaning. You have to be willing to talk about it. You have to be willing to let these people know that it's not for your dissection. It's me, and I'm not going to be dissected because then I'm being de dehumanized at the same time. And as a person living in the LGBT community, I feel like... It's way more to that, and we know exactly how it feels to be dehumanized and to be dissected. And, and with for, that dissection, let me ask you about the dissection. Is the language and the, and the questions, do some of the questions that you receive feel like dissection mm -hmm. to you? Yeah. And what are some of those questions? Who is the girl and the boy? Um, how do you, do you like the... Dress up, like, when I mean dress up, people refer to dressing up, like, putting on makeup, like, or sometimes it's not that. It's by dressing in a more feminine manner with, like, sequins or something of flamboyance. And then it's other questions like, do you see yourself marrying this person or do you see yourself being in something that will, do you really think it'll work? Like, mm -hmm. If it was to happen, if you were to get married, and that does, it, it is equal to dissection because then you start dissecting your character. You start dissecting your future. You start dissecting so many things that you didn't know should be dissected because they are dissecting you already. And, it's, and people don't realize it, mm -hmm. but the more over time, it's like a subconscious thing. Like mm -hmm. You're being normalized to it because you're not acknowledging it and you, you don't know it's present. You don't know that, that that dissection is present until you speak on it and realize that this is truly dissection. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so what are some of the questions that you might want to ask for people who consider themselves straight? Straights? I want to say straights because it's weird. <laughs> it's just like blacks. <laughs> straight people, they need to realize that we, we, we've been going through a lot in we everybody's gone through a lot. I, nobody on this earth is just butterflies and bumblebees. Everybody <laughs> have experiences and everybody have tribulations and trials. But this is something that we shouldn't have even be have to even be going through. It's just people living as people, and we're not even hurting anybody. And it's crazy. But I I just want to ask them: Do you feel like? Do you feel like? People deserve to die. I just want to ask them this question. Does right. people, do people deserve to die? Do people have to not be comfortable nowhere? Do people deserve to be comfortable nowhere? Would you like to be not be comfortable anywhere? Mm. Or 
not even in your own home mm. with people who love supposed to love you and nurture you and wish for your success when really it feels like a lot a lot of times I'm not even gonna fabricate it in any type of way. People don't feel comfortable. They feel like people everybody is against their demise. It's for their demise. It's it's crazy. Mm. Mm-hmm. So with your uh, social activism, with your social artistry, um, what is it? What was exciting to you about being able to speak on this subject? What is it that you wanna wanna want folks to know? Personally, I just want people to know that it's it's boundaries. It's just boundaries in so many aspects of life. Even though that we we are people and things are to be explored and things are to be free. It's a, it's able it's for people everybody to enjoy. But you you don't have you don't have the freedom. You don't have the freedom to do any of the things that you do to oppress anyone. If it's not hurting you directly or if it's not bringing forth any type of hurt for people in the future, then it's not for you to it's not for you to judge. And I, I want people to speak about it more because the more that we speak about it, the more our our, our mental health is gonna be more intact because whew, when I didn't speak on this, that's how I knew this way this is what like over the years being an artist, what brought me to social activism in the first place is was because of my mental health. It's because I thought about so much, so many barriers, so many boundaries that I had to overcome to become who I am too. So that meant that that mentality of keeping it in and just not discussing it at all or being totally against the fact that it's a new possibility too, that 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 I want people to realize that it's just way more than just your perspective. It's way more than just one perspective. And that's even not for just even right now. Mm-hmm. It's for in the future too because you're not going to be here forever. So you have to realize that your perspective, it has to be representative of the future too. Uh, uh, and how was it for you when you came out, so to speak, in your family? I didn't really come out, but I came out. So I'm, I'm going to say that. I came out, but I didn't really come out. <laughs> but it was... um. It was cool, like my, like my immediate family, the people who I was living in a house with, we were never that close, close, close. Like I had relationships with my sisters and brothers and stuff, but as I said, I was always with my auntie's kids, and they're all girls, so they love me. <laughs> they love me. Everybody loved me. Growing up, anywhere I go, I was always like the, I wouldn't say the center of attention, but. I was always the cool person. Everybody know they gonna vibe with. Like when I come around, oh he cool, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know. So it was good. I didn't really have a bad bad experience, but I did have to deal with dissection within my household, and that's how I know that I, I don't want to be dissected. That's how I know that it's not comfortable for people to be dissected because they're always dissecting from that that point forward. What is what would you say would be a constructive way for people to? Um, to get understanding, to to have a, um, just to have a constructive conversation so that they can get past their biases. More speaking and more, more visibility, I would say that, as long as those talks and not even just, lead, from leading, leading from those talks, as far as like it being representative on a widespread agenda, when people start putting in action, when stuff starts to really show and it starts to really be progression, really starts to show over time. I think that's really what it's gonna it's gonna have to take. It's gonna have to take time for one, but that time is only gonna start with talks first, and within those talks and that time, people have to be willing to actually do something. And for for it to be recognized and visible, like mm-hmm. on a widespread agenda, so and I think it is making a lot of progress because nowadays across America, LGBT representative representation during Pride Month is like big. It's huge. It's everywhere. So people are seeing that now. 
as much as people know, the generations like that are now coming up, they're going to see that. And they, not that they're not going to believe that any of this stuff has happened or that we have had to fight for as far as we have come. They have to realize that that, that fight is still there with them, too. So and they will know that because they're only normal to that. They're they're, they're it registers only mm-hmm. to them at that moment right now. So, yeah. So how do you how does an individual who considers himself straight and doesn't understand anything in the world of homosexuality, how do they get that understanding without dissection? By by realizing by realization by realization as a whole because you have to realize that they what they have to, I would say this they will have to realize that it's more than just their perspective it's more than just their physical body it's more than just so many aspects of their body and their mind that it's there so they have to realize that it's so many other people here too it's just not going to revolve around you there are going to be things in life that are going to exist that maybe you don't agree with or that maybe you cannot change, but it's still going to be there. So how are you going to how are you going to manage that in the future? How are you gonna be willing to get to a better place where erasure is not present, where dissection is not present as far as people doing what they want to do with their own bodies, with their own mind, with their own spirits. People can't People can't base everything off of them at that time. So in order to realize what is really going on, in order to really talk about the future, about a way to realize our agenda as an LGBT person of color, of any type of stature, it isn't even, it's basically not even based on color either because it's gay people everywhere of all different type of demographics. But people have to realize that just their perspective doesn't matter. They have to be willing to erase everything, not erase, keep it in mind too, everything you know, but not diminish it either. But put it to the side for right now so that you are at least willing to get to a better place of progression too. Well, I, you know, I'm asking that because I know that, you know, we're, we're advocating that people talk to each other. Mm-hmm advocating, you know, open communications and questions are coming from where people are. Mm-hmm. And so the the as I talked with a, with another group last night as you know mm-hmm. and they said the same thing that you said when I asked what's the questions, you know, who's the boy, who's the girl? Kind of thing is 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 one of the questions that people ask which feels to you like erasure mm-hmm. or dissection. But feels to them like I don't know. I don't. All I know is boy girl. Mm-hmm. What I know is boy girl. This is the paradigm of life. I mean, our language is so deeply invested in whether or not you're male or female, mm-hmm. Miss, Mister, Ms, Sir, Ma'am, Madam. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it 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 is it's 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 very very extremely deep. And, mm-hmm. and I was listening to another folks talking on this subject uh, recently, and they were talking about how even before a child is born, mm-hmm. the identity, the, 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 the sexual identity is wanting to be known. Mm-hmm. The first thing that, you, that a person is asked when they are told they're, when they tell other people that they're pregnant is boy or girl. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's, a, it's a very, that identity has started to be programmed way before an individual mm-hmm. is born. So these people who consider themselves straight and and live in that duality mm-hmm. are trying to find ways out. Mm-hmm. So so but at first it's like okay there there's somebody's going to be the boy and somebody's going to be the girl in this situation <laughs> somebody because, in the is somebody in the womb <laughs> in their in their okay in yeah. that consciousness. Yeah. And so I would just say you know on the side of the LGBT community mm-hmm. Be willing to walk that person along and help them to move out of that paradigm of, of duality, mm-hmm. you know, because and, and into maybe an idea that, that, there, that there are shades, there's so many shades. Mm-hmm. And I hate to do this, but I'm, but I'm going to do it because it's such a clear example. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about 
animals and an animal comes along that's a that's a particular color mm-hmm. it's no deal i mean it doesn't change our concept of that animal to to know that that this dog the white black brown or spotted animal mm-hmm. it's just and and if we could do that with with the differences that humans have mm-hmm. it, that's that's a thing that we that we are able to do that would be able to be transferred to our own selves, to our own communities, and being able to to not place a character value on various differences that people have. Mm-hmm. And so... Because you still... Because even if a dog is, like, brown or black or spotted, we still view it as just being a beautiful dog. Right, exactly. So, exactly. yeah, I get what you're saying. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, and there, there's no feeling about it. There's, in all of the feelings that we have about, you know, the differences that are that happen between people, um, we just don't have that when we're, when we're talking about other creatures. Mm-hmm. And so we could transfer that and let and let folks know that it's possible for just just kind of see things in other than a, a one two dimension. Exactly, it's, it's, it's a dimension. Right. Yeah. Right. So you have to you have to get out of you have to get out of that dimension. You have to be willing. And the reason why we are even so big on though on that type of subject of male and female is because we're humans. We think. So we, we don't have no choice but to think about it because we always trying to read deep into right. stuff. <laughs> that's the reason why it's that's the reason why it is like that. But um I don't get now, I don't get like I used to really, really get uncomfortable when people ask me, Was that boy or girl? Cause that was that was weird. I didn't I didn't know how to respond to that because I I just feel like I'm just being me and me as me. So then I like now it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me like as far as you knowing who your true self is mm-hmm. over time, as long as you able to do that, people people's fabrications of what male and female are, it doesn't matter anymore as mm-hmm. as much as it used to matter. Because then I was in a state of dissection too, because I was in the middle of puberty and then but now I'm like a male, I'm like a full grown man. I know but what I what I want to do, what who I want to be, who I want people to view me as. So that's good. Awesome, awesome. So what are some you you talked about courage a lot mm-hmm. over our conversation. I know that that's a that's a particular value for you. Courage, authenticity. What are some of the other values that you grew up with and perhaps uh, added to over the years? Over the years, um, I have always been taught to be extremely, extremely kind and like not violent at all. So I, I fatted that into being like courageous too. So like I think that's why I'm, I'm like extremely shy because like there's one part of me always being like do it, do it, do it. But then it's another part of me is like oh tilt no real quiet, real shy, real observant. So I have like added to kindness and morality and understanding, just being someone really, really sweet and honest, like a reliable person. Awesome. Awesome. And how do you carry those values into your daily life? I carry those values into my daily life by realizing that I can't just base everything off of me and how I feel. Like, even if I am at constant war, like with what, what, with environmental issues that are going on around me, that people are battling just the same environmental issues as you too. So you have to be aware that you have to just be willing to be aware that that's going on too and you can't bring your problems to other people. So I never bring my problems to other people. I always put on a smile. I always do what I need to do. Oh, we're going to have to stop that. Oh, I mean, you got to do what you have to do. It's got to be somebody that you can bring your problems to. There has to be. In order for you for you to to really have that mental health mm-hmm. that you're talking about, and that was which is going to be my next question, mm-hmm. was who are the people that you bring? Um, your who are your counselors? Who are the people that you bring your stuff to that you need advice on? Um, my sister, I have an older sister. My oldest sister, her name is Destiny. She's really really good with listening to my problems. I talk to her. 
probably three or four times a month. I usually, I used to talk to my sister Desiree a lot too. We used to always stay on the phone, but we haven't really talked in the last few months because it's been so busy. But um, I talked to my sister Destiny, and I talked to my um, cousin, my one of my oldest cousins. She's my second oldest cousin, um, my first cousin actually. So she's my auntie's daughter, and um, yeah, we talked a lot. And they always help me and let me know what I need to do, what they envision. That because their 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 perspective matters too. That I take it into I take it into my mind, and I just have to realize that maybe they could be right too. <laughs> so I have to awesome. Okay, so you're not just holding it. You're not just putting on a smile and yeah. You know, over over some feelings that are that may not be a smile. Yeah. So that's good. And that's I, good. I write too. So if I have a chance to like. Write, I will write it out because writing it out helps too to not like hold it in because my mind is it's so much stuff crammed up in there at one time because I'm always trying to do something that when those feelings are there, I can't help but to like acknowledge them. So I have to write it out. Awesome. So what is one of your greatest challenges right now? My greatest challenges right now is like not taking flight because as I mentioned, I I'm only used to moving around, and I'm only used to being unstable. <laughs> but I don't want to take a flight anymore because I need to, like, focus and, like, build a brand. And building a brand requires some dormancy. You have mm-hmm. to, like, sit still for mm-hmm. a minute and do what you got to do. But, ooh, If you were to fly, where would you fly to? <laughs> where, would you, where do you want to fly to? I want to fly to Los Angeles. <laughs> What's in LA? LA, I just I just want to be there. I want to be a model, so okay. I kind of want a model too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know I want a model, of course. So I want to try to build that brand too, and it's always just a brand factoring into one. So, and uh, I think you're you're absolutely right. Sometimes that moment of dormancy is necessary. Yeah. And you know, and I and I can say that from the position of somebody who has had trillions of ideas over the years and and uh also has had to say that same thing to myself like you got to stick you got to stay with one yeah. for just a little while yeah. you know at least let it peak its little you know leaves up you know above the soil mm-hmm. so and then let those things grow yeah cuz I'm, I'm I'm always ready to go I I promise I I cannot stay in one spot for one <laughs> for too long it's, it drives me insane to be in one spot. Well, over those, if you once you maintain that that spot or not, um, what is your five year vision for yourself? Where are you going? Where will you be in five years? Five years. Whew. That's a long time from now. But hopefully next year, by by the age of twenty one, I envision myself of having a brand, having a really really successful business. I would say I want to tangible business by by the age of 21. I'm 20 now. I just turned 20 about a week ago. So, um I missed your birthday. Yeah. But <laughs> it was it was it was nice because it was the day of like thinking and mm-hmm. transitioning. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a teenager anymore, so I'm like a, a grown up. So, um 5 years from now, I envision for my my brand to be like full scale. I want to be traveling the world a lot. I, I want to travel a lot. I really want to do an internship in the next two or three years so that I can do that for a year. And by the time that I be that I am 25 or 20, well, 24, 25, 20, 25, because I'm 20. I want it to be, I want everything to be successful. And I do want to have a place that I can sit down if I need to sit down while still being like fluent too so this is like a state of dormancy right now that i'm in because i'm trying to teach myself to sit down but over the next years i want to have main i want to develop a place so that when i am 25 i can sit down and then i can still like work too and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can be good right yeah right so i want to have like an outlet by the time i'm 25 a clothing outlet um not like a like an outlet as far as like a a place that I can go to uh, to yes. still maintain my mental health mm-hmm. and work and dormancy at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that is, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to ask you to go very far into the future. Now, I've asked my other, my, 
<laughs> a lot of times, you know, in interviews, people like to ask, um, you know, what advice would you give for your former, your, a younger self? And and you're kind of you're at the age when people will want to get that kind of advice, okay, mm-hmm. or will want to be giving that kind of advice to you. But I'm going to ask you to look ahead, fifty years. <laughs> And say, what advice would you give to your 70-year-old self with your current understanding? Oh, my goodness. I don't know how I would measure being 50 years old because... 70. 50 years from now when you'll be 70. 70, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 70 years old. My, my, My perspective may have changed so much. Maybe progression will be here, so maybe I'll, I'll be tight-knit with a lot of people. But um, when I'm 70 years old, I'll, I'll tell my 17-year-old self to not be so, not procrastinate, procrastinate so much. Ah. I do that a lot. <laughs> like, but it's because I always have so much stuff in my head. Mm-hmm. I try to develop a timeline for mm-hmm. myself when right. I, I need to realize that I shouldn't factor in time all the time mm-hmm. and just do it. So... I just don't. I would tell myself not to procrastinate because, really, to be honest, it's all in here. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be willing to eradicate it and do what you need to do. Awesome! It has been such a pleasure. It's, it always is a pleasure talking with you. You you do have that that kindness, that sweetness that you aspire to. You got it. Thank you. You got Thank it. You. So it's just it's always a pleasure talking with you. It was my pleasure talking to you as yes. well. And I have one last question for you especially as an Albany native, if you had absolute power such that if you say a thing, it will happen, what would you decree for Albany, Georgia to make it a better place for families? For families? For families as a whole, I want Albany to contribute more money, more time, more talks, more so so many aspects of so many things into the idea of progression, into the idea of inclusion, into the idea of diversion as well, because we all can't be the same. And until we realize that something always going to be unstable, I want us as a whole to be more supportive of each other too, because... Well, you only get one. Progress. <laughs> you told us you wanted us to be more progressive. I want us to be more progressive, but in, in including that progressive <laughs> progression, I want us to be supportive too because we're never going to get anywhere if we don't support each other. So, and I don't see a lot of support here. Like a lot of people can move here and get a lot of support, but the people who are like born here, they don't get like as much as much support as people who are not born here. And I want people to get a handle on that so that we can be, like, flourishing and stuff. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you, Quentin Gaines. It's been a pleasure. And so that's it. That's it for this day's edition. This is Blood and Spirit. That's what it's about. Y'all have a great day.